0: Hi and welcome to a special guest episode of Lessons to the School of Night featuring Susanna Evans' interview with Sinead Morrissey which took place at the Stanza Poetry Festival in St Andrews in the spring. Sinead Morrissey's recent book On Balance won the Forward Prize for Best Collection and at this year's Stanza Festival she was delivering the keynote lecture. Susanna began by asking Sinead Morrissey which were her favourites of her collections of poetry. My favourite is probably On Balance. And after that, I think it would be Through the Square Window. Yeah. Uh, and I absolutely loathe my first collection. <gasps> no. <laughs> Why? It's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> is, this, is this just a thing of looking back and, and... I think I didn't know what I was doing. Do you ever read from it now? Never. I've never read from it. Um, and I don't... In a way, I don't regret it because yeah. those poems had been... As with lots of people's first collections, they'd been kicking around for a long time, yeah. and uh, they had been hard won in mm-hmm. and of themselves, mm-hmm. and the result of quite a long and arduous personal journey towards them. Mm-hmm. And it's only in retrospect that I look back and realise there was still a long way to go on that yeah. journey. You know, and there always is. It's, it's. Uh, I think it's a life. It's a lifelong apprenticeship, really. Definitely. Um, But yeah, I look back and I'm very (laughs) embarrassed by that first book. So your most recent collection is called On Balance. Mm. um, um, And I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about the title and why you chose it, Mm. if it was like an immediate, obvious decision or whether it Mm. crept up on you. Mm. Yeah, it was an immediate and an obvious decision and it came before any of the poems. Wow! So I knew I wanted to write a book. I knew the title was going to be On Balance and I knew... The, the the central idea of the book was going to be about structure. Mm-hmm. So be that structure within the poems themselves, the inner architecture of the poems, or be that gravity-defying structures in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that kind of came to the, the, that that whole idea. I was I was driving my car for an MOT test in an industrial estate, which is like the least poetic <laughs> <laughs> for inspiration and I saw a sign for a way bridge mm-hmm. and when I saw the sign for a way bridge the whole idea for the book just put, I thought I got on balance straight away I mm. got all that idea about weighing yeah. structure yeah. Uh, engineering yeah poetic form as a kind of engineering yeah and, and, and all of that was almost pre-linguistic, so I didn't know what the individual poems were going to be and That's I didn't know realistic. how that was going to yeah. work, but that just, that all came to me as a kind of cohesive mm-hmm. idea, and then I didn't write anything for two and a half years. Oh, wow. So I just sat with and I went into, I went into my office and I had a whiteboard on my wall and I wrote on balance on the whiteboard. <laughs> I and then, I mean, it wasn't even a decision not to write. I was too busy. I was too busy with my university work to mm. to write. Mm. So I knew I had to kind of put it on hold anyway. But I had this, I had this idea. So I sat with it for, for two and a half idea, two and a half years. And and the individual poems would then come as titles. Mm. Ah. And so I would write them. So I kind of wrote the contents page. Yeah. Wow. I had the title and the contents pit, but nothing written. Yeah. Uh, and you know I'd be talking to people or um they'd say something and then I'd be like oh that that's going to be a poem. Because so I was talking to my wonderful scriptwriting colleague in Queens Jimmy McAlevy, mm-hmm. who I miss very much and um he uh he was telling me that he was writing a a play he'd been commissioned to write a play um and uh, it was it was about Marconi. Now Marconi invented the the wireless radio, but also he's kind of beloved in Northern Ireland because he did the first test between Ballycastle mm-hmm. and Rathlin Island, which is the biggest offshore island mm-hmm. off the coast of Northern Ireland. And um, so uh, there's there, we kind of own Marconi in a, in a little mm-hmm. way, or we feel very territorial towards Marconi. Mm-hmm. So he and he told me. That when Marconi was doing was gearing up for these first um, transmissions, when he turned on his receiver, but hadn't turned on the transmitter, so the receiver just sort of opened itself up to the ether. It filled with voices, and Marconi was convinced that these were the voices of the dead, and Edison was convinced he could create a machine that would, I think. It, I think it was Edison who was trying to invent a telephone mm-hmm. to the next world. <gasps> and Tesla was also absolutely convinced that these new technologies that were all happening around the turn of the last century mm. were going to be portals to the other world. So when my, my colleague said this to me, I was like, <laughs> that's going to be one of my poems. Um, uh, and then my husband said, have you heard the word Millahelen? I didn't know. I hadn't heard the word Miller Helen, mm. And I was like... Okay, that's going to be one of my poems, <laughs> and then I found out about Lillian Bland, who was a local woman, uh, lived right beside where I was living in Northern Ireland. First woman in the world to design, build, and fly her own airplane. Nobody's heard of her. And I knew that was going to, you know, that's no. engineering, yeah. and it's about gravity and machines. and It's also about uh, women, and it's a very feminist book. Yeah. You know, I celebrate and yeah. sing of women's amazing achievements. Yes Um, So yeah So these titles I would get these little Like That's poem That's poem That's poem And I would write the titles down Mm. And then Didn't do anything with it So uh, When I finally got A period of study leave It was brilliant Because this huge momentum Had built up around the title and the idea and, yeah. and it had been simmering for so long yeah. that I then um, I think I had 10 of the poems written and then the rest I wrote in about 16 weeks so oh, it was it was a very yeah, quick yeah. cohesive yeah. creative experience yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think some poets have the fantastic gift of having a language mm. um, which you know, I, I'm deeply envious I, <laughs> <have a language. laughs> I don't have a language mm. so that that content, that word after word after word, that is hard work for me because it it, it really has to be dug up, mm. and it takes a lot of time to get the words. But I do have a kind of three D sense in my head of of poem structure, yeah. and that is almost instinctive. Yeah, I think form for me is really absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, it's sort of an obsession. Um, and I don't understand it. I still don't understand form. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever understand it. It just feels like it's this, and it's opening up in my head all the time. It's occupying more and more space in my head. Um, uh, so I, uh, I think I'm very interested in form as a bespoke Activity, mm. so it, it's not that I would return automatically to certain favourite forms, mm. but it depa- It's very much finding an, an appropriate and dynamic form for the, 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 the content of the poem to sit within. Mm. So as long as there's some kind of dynamic relationship going on, yeah. uh, I think that's absolutely a, a precondition for me for a successful poem. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine, um, David Wheatley, when I, mm. I left university to go to Japan, he gave me the present of Les Murray's collection from 1993, Translations from the Natural World. And uh, that completely changed my view of what poetry could be. Mm. And the ambition that he had for the art form in that book was unlike anything I'd ever encountered. So, and I think that more than anything sort of moved me on from this idea that Poetry had to be personal, Mm. it had to be written out of your own life, Um, it had to be honest, Uh, you know, into this, like, kind of arena where, you know, it can be all of those things, Mm. but it can also be the voice of um, an echidna or a strangler fig, or (laughs) do you know um, it just sort of completely blew my mind and i spent about three years reading les murray i didn't read anybody else Mm -hmm. i just got his select poems Mm -hmm. which were earlier les murray Mm -hmm. and and consumed him (laughs) and he was sort of he was sort of my he was the most important teacher i made him into my teacher yeah but he is the most Important teacher that I had. Um, and I think this might be a good a good moment to move on to some of your poems. Um, so the first one I'd I'd love for you to read is On Balance because yes. it's the titular poem of the collection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Philip Larkin's poem Born Yesterday. I'd read it for years. It's really anthologised. It's yes. a very celebrated Larkin poem, and I think it's celebrated because he's so. Um, you know he's he is so interested in in curtailment uh, but then he does this switch at the end, and it's you know if that is what an enthralled duh, 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 catching of happiness is called so um and i I read that even as a university student without feeling at all um offended by it i and then I went back and I read it. More recently, mm. um, before the idea of Balance came, I read it and I thought, "That wow, <laughs> that's actually so unbelievably appalling." Yeah. And he would not have written that had Sally Amos been a boy. I mean, there's no way he would have written a poem mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I and I read. Other, there are other much more objectionable Larkin poems about women than this. This is mild in comparison to the poem Administration, or he has a poem where he's exchanging letters f- um, with, with a friend about girls, mm. and it's all about casual sexual encounters mm. with girls. Mm. Um, so within the context, it becomes you know within the context of these other poems, this poem becomes even more <laughs> disturbing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, so the first stanza is made up of references yeah. to specific other Philip Larkin oh, right, poems. Right, right. Um, and I've also taken the form of his original mm-hmm. poem um, and, and tried as much as possible to work within the original form. So it's a it's a very specific answering back. Yeah. Um, and uh, I returned to... Once I had the idea of on balance and was thinking about it, I thought, "Oh yeah, there's that. I want to write that answering back poem to Philip Larkin." Mm -hmm. And I went back to Bourne yesterday, and it contains the words to pull you off your balance, which I didn't know. At which point, the (laughs) hair on the back of my neck just went up. Really, I thought, "Okay, this is this is all falling weirdly into place." So, um, on balance. May you be ordinary. Have, like other women, an average of talents. Not ugly, not good looking, nothing uncustomary to pull you off your balance. In fact, may you be dull. Philip Larkin, born yesterday. Even fully grown, she'd be a girl to you. You rarely mention women except to stress our looks or what we cannot do though girls persist in separate lit up boxes their pants pulled on or getting fucked by your luckier friend in the toilet of a train You were the mean fairy at the christening feigning honesty No doubt her father slapped you on the back, admired your dazzling final turn from lack to grudging benediction. I wouldn't let you near my brilliant daughter. So far, in fact, from dull, that radiant incandescent are as shadows on the landscape after staring at the sun. Thank you, that was brilliant. I'd love it if you finished on the rope. Sure. Uh, so, if, yeah, if you would. So this is, uh, this is from the parents' perspective, reaching that magical moment when uh, your two children start to play together. Mm. Uh, so I have a son and a daughter, an older son and a younger daughter. And uh, this was a few summers ago, and they suddenly became friends, which just makes life so much easier as a parent because they can occupy themselves. Um, So this is me kind of watching them play without them realising that I'm watching them play. The Rope. I have paused in the door jam shadow to watch you playing shop or cliff or cafe or under the sea among the flotsam of props on our tarmacked driveway. All courtship, all courtesy. At eight and six, you have discovered yourselves, friends, at last. And this, the surprise, the summer has gifted me, as if some penny come handkerchief conjurer had let loose a kingfisher. You whirl and pirouette as in a ballet take decorous turns and pay for whatever you need with a witch's currency grass cuttings, sea glass, coal and archaeopteryx of glued kindling from the fire basket. You don two invisible outsized overcoats for love, for luck and jump with your eyes shut And I can almost see it thicken between you, your sibling tetheredness. An umbilicus, fattened on mornings like this as on a mother's blood. Loose, translucent, not yet in focus, but incipient as yeast, and already strong enough to knock both of you off your balance when you least expect it. Some afternoon after work, decades hence. One call from a far-flung city and look, all variegated possibles. Lovers, kids, apartments, whiten into mist. The rope is flexing, tugging you close and you come, obedient children that you are. Back to this moment. Staggering to a halt and then straightening, grown little again inside your oversized coats and shoes, and with sea glass still to arrange, but without me watching. Thank you, that was wonderful. Um, And thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you.